Hello everyone and welcome to uh, our newest installment of TMI. As usual, I am your host Anthony Miller. I am your other host JBW. And um, we've got a pretty pretty hefty news week for you this week. This uh, this episode is going to be heavily centered on the Israel-Palestine conflict that has been unfolding over the last um, 11 days, yep. I believe it is. 11 days. Um <clears throat> and before we start, I just want to give a little disclaimer here, which is that uh, this is a pretty hot topic for a lot of people, a very hot button issue, and there are very uh, the stakes are pretty high on both sides, no matter which which side of this conflict you land on. And um, JB and I basically have no horse in this race, so um, if we say anything accidentally offensive, if I say anything stupid, feel free to. Uh, let us know, or, or you know, just uh, try not to take it too hard because we're just two guys trying to trying to give you the news. These are the facts that we've been able to gather, and uh, to the best of our knowledge, this is what's true. And uh, you know, if we're wrong, we'll be we'll be wrong sometimes. Exactly, but. we can't be right about everything, but we do implore you to do your own research about this topic. We're gonna link below a few great videos, including one by my by my man. John Green. By and your mom, John Green? I wish John Green was my mom. That would be great. But <laughs> wait. Okay, we'll we'll put a pin in that. We're gonna come back to that later. Homie, I'd I'd be so much better at history. Whatever, whatever. But uh so we're gonna link below a little crash course video for you. Just some rough but quick little tidbit information for you to get caught up so you can understand what's going on between the conflict. Because if you were to look at a map of the borders between Israel and Palestine, you you'd be a little confused. Yeah, and you might get different maps depending on which <laughs> link you click on. Um, so we're just gonna we're just gonna I'm just gonna get right into this thing here. So over the last several days, Israel has been in a combination of uh, air strikes or or, uh, or you know air bombardments, and as well as uh, uh, an actual straight up like armed forces artillery bombardment of the Gaza Strip as well as the West Bank. So there's just a, a lot of loss of life here for the Palestinians. Um, not to say that they've been totally innocent. Uh, Hamas, which is technically an internationally recognized terrorist organization, but it is actually the democratically elected government of Palestine. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a gray area in this kind of space, but uh, they did technically launch the first yeah, missile been, attack. They've been well, okay. Well, technically Israel expelled 700,000 Palestinians in 1948. Okay, but if we're talking about what happened this most recent conflict in the past 11 days, they launched the first rocket attack. And I think it's also important to remember the death toll of Palestinians is much higher than Israelis, but that is mainly due to the Iron Dome. Uh if you don't know what the Iron Dome is, it is a defense machine built by uh the u.s and israel together this has stopped a large number of the missiles that have come in to hit israel it's not that palestine isn't shooting missiles back it's that most of them aren't landing well you have to take into account that hamas knows that Israel has the Iron Dome defense system, as well as the fact that the U.S. has been giving, like, I think it's $3.8 billion in unconditional military aid to Israel every year for mm. as long as I have been born, yeah. as long as I've been alive, longer. Um, so the power dynamic here is so... Horrible. It is horrible. Israel has a much 
much larger military force than Palestine. There's absolutely no question of that. Not to mention, Israel has just been bombing, like, civilians indiscriminately. They bombed a news building that hosted uh, AP as well as Al Jazeera. Uh, and, and the Biden administration so far on this has just... They have been pressuring Netanyahu to for a ceasefire, and I believe actually as of today, as of like four hours ago, as of the time of recording, there has been a ceasefire announced. Yeah, so the ceasefire was agreed uh, to go live at 2 a.m. local time, so that was uh, four hours and 25 minutes ago as of the time of this recording. Um, so it, again, it went live at 2 a.m. on Friday, and yeah, so we're we're... Calm for now, but because of the history of this conflict and how it arose, it's definitely temporary. Well, Israel basically regularly does this every several years yeah. or so. They call it mowing the grass. They just go in and they blow up some Palestinians. Um, but this is, to, to as far as I could find, this is the first time that there's been such a consistent outcry in defense of the palestinians in the u.s yeah ever this yeah. is the first time that elective representatives have come out in the favor of the palestinians um uh, aoc introduced a bill a measure to block the sales of weapons to israelis mm -hmm. um as well as they tried i believe to pass a measure that would ban the sales of weapons to israel unless they were not being used in the murder of palestinian children I don't believe that passed, and I also don't know how they would enforce that, but they did try. It should be noted that they did try. Um, <clears throat> and back to the back to the the, the power disparity here. Um, for these just past eleven days, the death toll is two hundred and twenty-seven Palestinians and twelve Israelis, um, and that includes sixty-three Palestinian children. Um, Israel claims that they're only targeting civilians that are housing Hamas, but again, Hamas is the elected government of Palestine, and you have the whole world backing up Israel. The whole they have the un, they have military aid from the U.S. They get aid from the U.N., mm. um, which has, by the way, disavowed everything that Netanyahu is doing in Palestine. They've called Gaza the world's largest open-air prison. Um, but still, they get billions of dollars every year in spending. So nobody is is helping Palestine except for Hamas. So how mad can we be at no, them? No, 100%. Like, let's be real. Like, uh, part of how this conflict started most recently, and again, we are not experts. We're going to link some videos down for you to do your own research about it, was during the month of Ramadan, um, civilians out of the gaza strip tried to go uh to a holy site in uh the mainland of israel and they were blocked the police had a barricade that kept them from leaving uh leaving the gaza strip and it led to a number of protests in the street um this led that this led the uh israeli government to send police into a mosque in the gaza strip and this is what really spiraled out into the conflict. So, actually, I would argue that Israel started this one. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely did by, by I mean, when you're barring someone from uh, visiting religious sites during their holy month, it you're kind of asking for it, you know? There's not anything more than people are going to go to war over than you barring their ability to pray. But in, in response, the... Uh, 
Hamas, you know, he started launching missiles. And do can you blame him? How for how long have the Palestinian people been subjugated to go through this by being pushed around by Israel? Such obviously a bear with bigger armed forces. So no, you can't be mad at him for wanting to retaliate, wanting to do something for his people. But you start sending rockets into a country that you know has a defense system that's going to take most of them down and know has the army strength, the military strength to invade, and you know they're looking for a reason to. Like you said, it's not like this is the first time Israel has done something like this. So while I agree that there's a reason the Hamas wanted to do this, felt the need to do this, what kind of response were you expecting in this situation? Like, Israel wants they're looking for a reason to invade you like they're looking for a reason so well they never really stopped invading them um you can look at maps mm -hmm. of how much territory was palestinian versus israel According to the to the un when uh the un first separated israel and palestine it was almost equal the amount of land they both had since then israel has claimed much more and a large part of this was during the uh the six day war which you can go and do some research about when israel claimed a very large amount of land remember that israel for a historic period of time has had a much larger military force than palestine and they're backed up by essentially the world exactly so during this war during the the 1940s i believe they took a very large amount of land now after this the un you know said all right all right no not all of that and they did force israel to give some of it back but that was only a portion of it and maps today do show how much of the land israel still controls and on top of that part of how israel kind of kept parts of the land is um israel would have citizens go and live in parts of uh the west bank or gaza in mainly palestine groups and they're actually displacing palestinian exactly families. they're displacing palestinians by putting israelis in these places and then what israel will do is say well because of the hamas having these kind of attacks and out of protection for the israeli citizens living in these groups they will build walls around their group. So Israel is kind of forcibly taking back or taking parts of Palestine by, you know, sending its people in and then building walls around its people saying, well, we got to protect them, but that that's not your land, chief. And I, a lot of this conflict really boils down to land. This isn't about, you know, religious differences or things like that as much as it is I don't know if I'd go that far. Okay. Netanyahu is definitely a right-wing extremist. Yeah. And in Israel over the last several decades, there's been a marked rise in right-wing extremism mm. in Israel, um, as well as an increase in hate crimes, like anti-Palestinian okay. sentiment. That's true. But That's also anti-Israeli sentiment on the Palestinian side. Mm. But again, can you blame the Palestinians? Um if there's just one thing that I want listeners to take away from this, it's that uh, for a long time, and this is uh, because the the main like uh, line from mainstream media has been, oh, this is a two sides issue. Mm -hmm. um, both sides have this fight has been going on for for hundreds of years, thousands of years, mm -hmm. and there's no there's no clear aggressor, but. All you have to do is look at the power disparity between Israel and Palestine. Yeah. 
to see something is not right. Like Palestinian crowds throw rocks at SWAT mm-hmm. armored police, and so Israel launches airstrikes. Yeah. Um, and really what, what has happened to me over the last several days is I've gone from being a pro uh, two-state solution and believing in an Israeli-Palestinian state I now support a one-state solution. I think we should just have one democratic state that occupies the land that is both Israel and Palestine right now. And I say that because historically, every time we try to create a two-state setup, it's just a scam so that Israel can slowly, over time, eat up Palestine. And I think if we do it the other way... Uh, if we create a two-state solution and somehow the Palestinians end up being the group with the world's backing, Palestine would just slowly eat up Israel over time. Um, and like the, the, the reason why we created Israel in the first place was so that the, the Jewish people would have their own home state. But over the last several years, Netanyahu has really been blurring the line between, and purposefully, Israel has been blurring the line between what it means to be a Jew by ethnicity versus a Jew by religion. And and these, like if you took the sentiment behind Israel and replaced it with any other ethnicity or any other religion, it would be a heinous thing to say, I want to create the the Irish ethno state. I want to create a German ethno state. I want to create a Christian or an Islamic ethno state. Like these things are not good, especially since there were Palestinians, Muslims already living on the land that the UN just decided would be where we put the Jews. Um, I feel like I should stop saying Jews. Where we push, where we put Jewish people, hmm. and it's not. It's just, no matter what side we decide to give the land to, it's unfair, unless we decide to give it to both of them. I agree. I think it's, it's when both sides have had such strong ties to their religion and their history on this land, it's really hard to say one of you has to go. But at the same time... To, I'm sorry, just, they're both Abrahamic religions, so they both have just as much claim to yeah. the, the city of Jerusalem. Yeah, they have the same holy sites. Uh, like... Come on, I don't know. It seems very one-sided to say, oh, Jerusalem is the birthplace of, of Judaism. They deserve the city, when Jerusalem is also technically the birthplace of Islam and Christianity. Uh, it just seems silly to me to say that one group of people deserves to have an ethno-state. I don't know why like the world has just decided to look the other way on this one. That's that's fair. I, I can't I can't argue with that knowledge, but at the same time, making it a a single state, I feel like would lead to a lot of more than we have now. I mean, no, but we... I didn't even let you finish the word. I was assuming it was going to be bloodshed or strife or war. I mean, or something yes, akin but to like, that. would it wouldn't be better than I this think either. it certainly would be better than this. Really? Yeah. I mean, there are Palestinians that have lived in Jerusalem since. The since nineteen forty seven. Yeah, and they've been being oppressed there. Yeah, because we said this is Israel, then you can't be here. This is not your state. You know? <laughs> I mean Yes, but <laughs> And at because the, same the time. US has unequivocally said we stand with our ally Israel basically until yesterday. Uh, true, but still, like so now with all that history, you know, being said, all of 
what has happened being there we're just gonna now erase all the in-between borders and saying all right everybody go for it we have to do it sometime and we have to move forward somehow and we have to we have to do this somehow uh, like historically every time one group of people have said we are a group and we are defined by these characteristics and we want to all get together and live in our own place yeah, it has never gone well yeah, that, do- that doesn't sound like a recipe for good times for anybody else or even for them. <laughs> yeah, true. I and, and that's why I think this situation is so hard to deal with because no matter what happens, there is no easy solution. There is no, all right, let's do this and now it's all going away. Well, historically, Palestine hasn't even been invited to the negotiation table. Remember Jared Kushner came out with his beautiful plan for peace in the Middle East and mm. Palestine wasn't even at the table. I don't remember that, if I'm being completely honest. That's okay. Trump, that whole four years is like a fever dream. I, I tried not to listen. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just want to talk a little bit more about the conditions for Palestinians. Mm-hmm. So within the Gaza Strip, within like Gaza City's hospital, uh, more than 72,000 internally displaced People. So not just within the hospital, but within the Gaza City as a whole. There are 72,000 people displaced internally, facing shortages of food, water, and electricity. Mm-hmm. This is because Israel, on all but one side, controls the flow of resources into the Gaza Strip. And then Egypt controls that one other side. And Egypt and Israel are allies, and we don't allow—they don't allow anything in. Um, you, The Israeli airstrikes have also killed— two of the not that many doctors in the gaza strip the Mm -hmm. two top actually uh doctors and so what would you do like what what would you do here we're we're based in portland what would you do if gresham started launching missiles at us rockets at us you know you're not wrong in that situation you get up and you fight back and you do exactly what the palestines do you take off your shoes and you start throwing rocks and you wait for them to march in with their swat vests and machine guns it's really hard to tell these people that they shouldn't stand up and fight for their basic freedoms yeah it's not like they're asking for the world their homeland has been taken from them they're not even able to to pray where they want to be with who they want they've been split apart they can't travel across israel to get to the rest of their people and they're supposed to be okay with that i'm not saying it's a good solution but all i'm saying is you're you're poking the bear in that situation like it's i'm not saying go quietly but i i don't know uh, and I also we don't want to leave out uh, like anti-Semitism is real, mm-hmm. and there are people who are just uh, prejudiced against Jewish people. But that is not this. You can be anti-Israel but still pro-Jewish, and being disagreeing with Netanyahu is not the equivalent of being an anti-Semite. Um, I do not like prejudice in all forms. Mm-hmm. I'm a big big hater of prejudice but um i'm also a big hater of killing children and of uh selling arms to a country that is basically committing a genocide slash apartheid slash ethnic cleansing um and has continued to do so regularly for decades and they call it mowing the grass they call the killing of palestinian civilians including children 
mowing the grass. One question: Where did you where did you hear this this term mowing the grass? Uh, I read it in a NPR document that I got from listening to the Majority Report with mm-hmm. Sam Cedar, also a great show. I okay. recommend you listen to that. They had a link to the NPR. Uh, article in their description i read it it also was one of the sources actually for this episode okay so yeah we'll we'll link that we'll we'll link to this uh there'll be lots of links this is a this is an episode this is one you're gonna want to do some research for yeah um that about wraps up everything i have to say about this just really um there's been a ceasefire announced Mm -hmm. um but it is not it, it is much over. more one-sided than CNN or MSNBC. Actually, yeah. CNN and MSNBC did a fantastic job. Not CNN, but MSNBC actually had some great coverage of this mm. for the first time ever. But if you watch CNN or like Fox, you're not going to get... No, I take that back. Fox News had a guy on who did some great... Co- if you watch CNN, you're not going to get any good coverage <laughs> on this. Um, yeah, that wraps up what I have to say. you have anything else? I, I think my big thing that... I want to keep in mind for not only for for me personally, just that this is not the end of this conflict yeah. that we're gonna see in our. We're lifetimes. probably gonna be talking about this again in a couple months, yeah. years. If it's not months, it's definitely going to be years. Israel has been taking over the Palestinian land for decades, and it's it's not gonna stop at this ceasefire. Um, but uh, taking us into our next topic, uh, there the Supreme Court agreed to take up a case on Monday that could overturn the results of Roe versus Wade, a landmark abortion case. At so, it again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now we're now we're going to be taking a look at something a little closer to home. So Roe versus Wade was decided uh, January twenty second, nineteen seventy three, and pretty much the results were that uh, the courts ruled that. Uh, a state law that banned abortion except to save the life of a mother was unconstitutional. So, you know, pretty much around the country, you can't you can't just ban out abortion. Now, this there are pros and cons to both sides. Uh, if depending on how you fall on the uh, pro-choice or pro-life side of things but since this is the first time we've talked about abortion rights on the show we're gonna get into a little bit of our own ideals about it and how we feel uh i think it's important to remember right now that we're two straight men currently talking about the rights women have to abort a child that they would have to carry to term and that this is a conversation that is about women and women deserve to be a part of if you are a woman and you don't have an If appeal, you are a woman. No, but like if you are a woman and you don't have a like a opinion on this I that's just a question of, of, of like why this is this is you and you now live in a time when your opinion matters on this. This is the time when you have the rights to take to the streets with people who think like you and support your ideals. This isn't, you know, the 1930s when you're expected to sit around and let old men make decisions about your body. Stand up for your rights. Uh, yeah, I think if you haven't gotten it by now, it's pretty clear we're both pretty pro-choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't just say that, but... I, uh, I, I, kind, I probably could have led with that. Uh, I, I might have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right. So, so pro-choice versus pro-life. Do you have any, any like, really, con- like thoughts for the pro-life side 
read a book. <laughs> um, this is so. I've never heard somebody give a pro-life argument that wasn't first predicated on something that you have to accept that is like an opinion. Mm. So like either be that like life starts at conception mm -hmm. or that like God decides whether or not you're going to have a kid mm. or that uh, like abortion is, is murder because the baby's life is worth a human life. Mm -hmm. And those are all things that are op opinions mm -hmm. that you have to accept. Um, and so my big issue with pro-life is that somebody could disagree with you and they would not be doing anything unfactual. They wouldn't be recanting any actual hard evidence. Like if I kill like a seven-year-old, that's murder. But if I kill like a, a cell, a little zygote, let's say, let's say in one hand I'm holding like a newborn baby, right? Mm. And in the other hand, I'm holding a Petri dish with a three-day-old zygote in it, right? And I drop both of them. Which one are you going to run to grab? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to grab baby, the baby. Because the baby, he... right? True, true. And, and so like more on, on its face... I just don't think anybody should have the decision to tell somebody else what not to do with their own body. Mm. And if you choose not to get an abortion, that's all you. That's all you, baby. You do you. But your rights end when you try to tell Melinda across the street that she can't get an abortion because it disagrees with your views. Mm -hmm. I feel like the, the idea of pro-life is very like survival-based. You know, this idea that we need, every child needs to come to term. Every single child is special and unique. And I'm not saying that every child isn't special. Obviously, life is... I'm pretty special. Exactly. Anthony Miller is one of the most special people I've ever met. This guy is absolutely great. But um, I'm not saying that life isn't special, but I feel like at the point humanity is at in our time on this planet we've made some pretty significant technological advances and it's not to the point that we need every single life possible to be work in the field you know we don't need every single life to help build that barn and it really comes down to the the quality of life we're able to give new kids at this point like all right we have seven billion people we're not worried about if we're going to survive through the winter, we're worried about if everyone has a home at this point. Is everyone getting fed? Does everyone have rights? So the idea that we need to be adding more mouths to the table as a requirement is really baffling to me. We, I feel like we should be at the point now of making sure every life that comes into being is as great as it can be. Because we as a species have the ability to make every single life comfortable. And we choose not to because of things like capitalism, racism, uh, prejudice, it, a bunch of different things. But we've evolved past the idea that every single life is 100% necessary for survival. So this idea that every life has to be brought to term and then forced to be supported for the years following. Because let's... let's That's no... No, it actually... They stop after mm -hmm. brought to term. Mm. They want. Oh right, okay, yeah. right, yeah. right. Because yeah. after that, you could like whatever. We don't care. Yeah, what, they don't what you care. Do after that, once the baby is born, whatever. But if you're trying to get rid of it before, no, 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 a problem. Not to mention, like, if I have decided with every fiber of my being that I do not want to have this kid, mm. and then the government makes me raise this child, 
I'm is, not going to do a great job. Yeah, what is that going to do to the child's life? How is that child's life going to be beneficial and like just happy being forced into a situation where they're being raised by parents who didn't want them? And yes, I'm, I can already hear some middle-aged woman talking about like, well, once you have the kids, you know you're going to have that attachment to it. You're going to fall in love immediately and it's going to be different. And maybe that's true for a lot of people, but I seriously doubt that's true for every single person who's ever going to have a kid ever. Sometimes you're going to look at a kid and be like, that's just a kid and I want to go out with the boys. Because not everyone is cut out to be a parent. Not everyone wants to be a parent. Not everyone can afford to be a parent. And that is a massive one. If not everyone can afford to be a parent, what are you doing putting them in that situation? You were, you could be forcing people into poverty by forcing them to have kids. If they barely have the financial stability to take care of themselves or the people they already need to take care of, how are they supposed to take care of an additional kid? And if you want less abortion... The solution is not to ban abortion. We know what the solution is already. It's to have better sex education mm. for students and to have free access to prophylactics. Needs to have around the country access to Planned Parenthood. Let people get the information they need to not only prevent pregnancies, but to make sure pregnancies happen healthily. It's... I just, like, a lot of the country, I feel, is... It's in the First Amendment, mm. the freedom of religion, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Or is that... I'm pretty sure that's the First Amendment. I don't think that's the First Amendment. They can't talk me out of this one. Are you sure about that? The First Amendment is a freedom of speech, including like pr speech, press, and religion, right? And the Second Amendment's guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what the amendments are. There I'm just go. doubting myself because we're recording this. Yes, it, it is. It is. I was yeah. messing with you. Okay. Yeah, you were messing with me, uh -huh. whipping out the Google search. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. To the listeners, I'm sorry. JB looked at me like I had said something insane. I when did, I in fact, look at him. The... I was like, are you sure? Because he said it and he was like, well, I, you can't test me on this. So <laughs> I just had to look him in the eye and be like, are you sure? There was a little bit of doubt in his eyes. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, uh,. You know, just saying. Yeah, so if abortions are against your religion, that's cool. But what if one of the tenets of my religion is mandatory abortion? What are you going to do then? I feel like the, the biggest argument there is your religion does not require mandatory abortion. But what if it did? If you Would go, the government, like, the government is infringing on my religion, I feel right? like if you were to establish a religion that had a number of followers that did, in fact, require an abortion, then that would be something... Well, it would be a self-calling group, and that's the whole point. I mean, okay. If you're interested, email me. <laughs> We're starting this. Um, I am in no way uh, uh, associated with whatever that is going to be. <laughs> Please leave me out of the emails. I JVW wants no parts. Yeah. Um, really, though, what is concerning about this is that if the Supreme Court decides to overthrow Roe versus Wade to overrule this and to rule on the side that is um, anti-abortion in this case that they're taking up, then we could see the overturning of abor abortion rights in many, many states. I believe it's up to 30 states. Um, and that's just bad news. That's just bad news for people. We're seeing a backslide in, in, in cultural, cultural social rights. 
I'm coining that phrase, cultural social rights. You can you can hit me up. For Honestly, that. I I think it's crazy because if you want an example of what it would look like if this if Roe versus Wade got overturned, I would highly recommend you look at uh, what happened in Poland earlier. I think it was mid 2020. Mm-hmm. Yes, Poland yes. Uh, banned abortion, uh, just straight up like across. I think it's for out of seven out of eight abortions you. Poland straight up banned it, even if the mother's health is in danger. And there were but like one in every eight mother gets <laughs> like they have a lottery. Homie, this is I, I don't remember off the top of my all head. Right, this was right. this was a topic that I I'm just saying you should look into because okay. this is no, something I that just, happened. In I Poland. just yeah I, I understand. You had to call attention I, to it. <laughs> if I didn't want to be spiked, I shouldn't have set myself up for it by having a, a weak foundation. That's fair. I yeah. understand. No, but I do remember if I if uh, the women like all over Poland striked mm-hmm. right, they just walked it, yeah, out. It and was they... it is massive, and I wouldn't be surprised if there were still some of the protests going on today. It's a massive thing because, you know, all of a sudden, Poland has been so progressive the past few years. And, ne- well, I mean, they haven't been progressive the past they few years. They were progressive up progress- until a, pa- a yeah, few years there's ago. There's been a huge rise among the right wing. Exactly. Yeah. They ha- the right wing has recently taken What control- is it with the right wing and taking away people's rights? I think the, the right wing is, is just generally the more conservative side of politics. So it's generally the side of, you know, just do less. And if I'm doing less, you're doing less. Now, again, I say this as someone who stands pretty comfortably into the moderate left. I, I wouldn't say I'm far left, but, you know, moderate. Who, like, who on the left, in, like, who in politics in America right now would you describe, like, would you say is far left? I feel like Bernie Sanders is the poster child, like, uh, like far left. You th- so you are more to the right than Bernie? Yes, to an extent, because I think that a lot of what Bernie wants is good, but I, it's very hard to implement with the current way our country works capitalistically. So I think that getting some of Bernie's like bills passed is unrealistic. I feel like because All right, of we're going to – this is like a whole another podcast. It really now. is. He's next, asking for something Next else. week, I'm going to just be schooling JBW on Bernie Sanders. So tune in next week for Honestly, that. I think it's going to be really fun. <laughs> I don't know. I get to learn something new. Uh, is there any anything more we've got on this Roe v. Wade story? It's just sad. I just don't understand how we keep having to have these conversations again. Let people vote. Let women get abortions. Let people smoke weed and do crack. Legalize tax and regulate it. Did you say crack? Let it. Let them do it all. Legalize tax and regulate it all. I Who feel cares? like there 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 does need to be some limitations on what you have five drugs. grams of crack. You go to jail for five years. You have five hundred grams of cocaine. You go to jail for five years. Chemically, they're exactly the same. All of our drug laws are just based on racism. You know why it's built like that? Because rich white guys do cocaine in their high-rise buildings while they're trading stocks. Poor people do crack. Okay. It's all it's all fake. No, you're not you're not wrong. I can't I can't argue with that. So I, I gotta leave it <laughs> I, there. I can't argue with that. Let the people exactly. do crack. I, 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 okay, <laughs> Anthony wins. 
Uh, <laughs> a, a few side topics I, I would like to hit on um, before uh, we end off today. Um, so mask restrictions are becoming more lenient as more people get vaccinated in America. Now, I feel like this is good on one hand. I think there's a lot of pros to this. The country's starting to open up again. People are starting to return to a level of normalcy. But at the same time, I am personally worried about a rise of corona again because of this. Because the U.S. did not pass any sort of passport law. So right now, say I got double vaccinated. You know, I got all my vaccine. I got my vaccinations. I'm good. But Anthony did not. Anthony and I are going to walk down the street and I'm not wearing my mask because I got my vaccinations, but Anthony's not wearing his mask because Anthony's an anti-masker. He doesn't believe in none to of that. To be clear, I am double vaxxed up. I wear a mask everywhere. Yeah, this he, is a hypothetical. He is, but purely hypothetical. So let's, you know, you see two people walking down the street without a, um, without a mask on, but they are for completely different reasons. So I find it very kind of worrisome. You know, uh, I have a friend of mine who works in a pizza restaurant and her restaurant can no longer enforce masks so she's now sitting here like okay so now people come in and i have no idea if they're vaccinated or not and she is no longer allowed to tell people to put on masks and it it's it's worrisome you know because now you don't know again we're right back to not knowing and because this is at the after so much has happened so many people have died now the fear of it is still just as high you know just because people are starting to get vaxxed doesn't mean it's over so i don't know that's that's how i'm feeling about this it it, it, it makes agree. me a little nervous yeah you know? agree yeah i i understand why the u.s was hesitant to pass uh passport laws the, you know the the idea of stopping people and asking them for their papers does not have a good uh you know uh legacy in history it, it usually doesn't go well but uh, right now I don't know. Like, I think, you know, I had to prove I had my measles vaccine to go to public school. Mm -hmm. I should have to prove I have my COVID vaccine if I want to walk into a public or a, like if I want to walk into a populated area, an indoor mm -hmm. populated area without a mask. I don't think it's too much to ask that I can prove I'm vaccinated, at least until we reach the point where herd immunity mm -hmm. is actually happening in this country. Because that is the big thing herd immunity and we're I don't, not there yet i don't know if we've talked about this last week or not but so it, in case we haven't herd immunity is pretty much what it sounds like when most of the people in america are vaccinated so if the people who aren't vaccinated were to get it and if they were to die off it wouldn't be the end of the herd you know? they say like 70 90 70 to 90 percent of the population needs to be immune to covid19 before we can effectively eradicate it so that's the number I would be looking for to be vaccinated before the CDC says no more masks. And we are not there yet. Not even close. So, uh, you know, that one's something to, to keep an, an eye on. Um, something else that has... Uh, oh, okay, sorry. I just got sidetracked because I see that uh, JB wishes John Green was his mom is now under side topic. So I guess yeah, we're coming, I said back, we're to coming back to that no, one. So, so yeah. now, now's a fair time. <laughs> now, first of all, I would like to preface this by saying I love my mother very dearly. My mother is amazing and absolutely fantastic woman. She and is. I would She's not trade such her a welcoming person. For the world. But with that being said, if John Green was my mom, <laughs> I would know so much about the Mongol Empire. Little thing about me, I think the Mongol Empire was pretty cool. Because the way Dope. the Mongols, like, spread, it wasn't that they were after, like, cultural or religious purity. 
they were very much just under after unity. They would come and conquer your land, and as long as you prayed to your god for their success, whatever god you had, and you paid taxes, you were good. Worship who you want, love who you want, be who you want, but don't betray us. And like when you look at how people conquered through history, I feel like that's the best way to get conquered. That's all I'm saying. They did like pour molten gold down someone's throat oh yeah no 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 no. they did horrible things one of the things genghis khan would do to cities that would resist is uh capture soldiers cut off their heads and then launch them over city walls into uh the city to infect the population um this is something i learned from marco polo great tv show on netflix but i learned after more research that it was in fact culture or historically accurate that's you know, pretty badass. That's dope. Now, I'm not saying it's cool. Like, that would be terrifying, you know, being a kid and just seeing, like, a head come over the wall. But, like... It, pretty badass. This It's pretty badass. You can't lie. So, all I'm saying is I would know a lot of cool things about a lot of cool points in history if John Green was my mom. Plus, I heard he makes the best pancakes. John Green or Genghis Khan? Yeah. Okay, sure. Um... Alright, moving on. So, China bans trading in all cryptocurrency. Yikes. Uh, I don't even really have a lot to say on this one. Anthony, you've kind of been the the regis- register? The regis- resident <laughs> cryptocurrency person. You know, you're in, you know the know-how about all the cryptocurrency and your Dogecoin. So, uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I just am really curious to see how this is reflected in like the market price of mm-hmm. things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and you know, obviously Doge. Mm-hmm. Gotta, gotta worry about the Doge. Of course. But um, I know that I believe the vast majority of Bitcoin mining was happening in China. So I'm interested to see how this affects that. Um, really, I'm just hoping it pumps Dogecoin to the moon, baby. Of course, to of the course. moon. And that's those are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair. All right, next up for side topics, uh, the Trump Organization is subject to criminal investigation in New York State. Ooh, so, been uh, waiting for this. I mean, this is something we've definitely been waiting for for a few years now, something we were expecting. But I, I think the question is really how far will it go? You know, because uh, once, you know, the... Being a former president definitely comes with its its perks of being able to, to have ties to certain people. So if there are people who, you know, of different backgrounds, but majority on the left, who think there is, you know, criminal activity coming out of the, the Trump organization, are we well, going... Well, there almost certainly is. Yeah, but like, are we going to see any results of that? Because, you know, this is still a very wealthy, very well-connected businessman who is now under investigation, and it would not be the first time in history when someone powerful gets under investigation and nothing comes out. Well, he released, like, a several paragraph long ranting, rambling thing mm-hmm. on his uh, blog, Donald Trump's desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, I find that the more unhinged Trump becomes about something, the more incriminating against him it will be. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited to see what comes out of this. Um, also on this list of side topics, we had that Tesla is no longer accepting Bitcoin as payment. Um, I, uh, there's not much to talk about there here, really. Elon Musk just keeps doing things with cryptocurrency. Who knows what he'll do next? Yeah, I guess we're just gonna we're gonna stay here, stay tuned, and we'll we'll talk about it as it happens. Uh, I I know for me personally, it's 
as someone who's like starting to you know become interested in cryptocurrency it's looking like it's going to play a, a major role in the future of currency around the world so i've been you know <coughs> uh, excuse me uh you know keeping my eye my eye on it but like you know so it's it seems like one week everything is going super well and it's like oh you should definitely get into bitcoin and then you know this week it's like all right tesla's not accepting bitcoin payments china's banning all trading in cryptocurrencies like oh all right what's happening here for me someone who doesn't understand what's happening with cryptocurrencies looking in it's definitely seeming very shaky like i don't think anybody really fully understands what's going on with cryptocurrency um but i do know for certain that we're probably not going to be using paper money anymore in 50 to 100 years um, I do know for certain the world is only going to get more digital, mm, more technology, or more technology based, and um, Doge is only going to keep going up. Mm. Mm. I actually don't know that that part of speculation, but we're hoping. We're hoping. But I mean, with that being said, so you know, two two ideas come out of this: the idea of currency get moving forward and away from per- paper currency. First of all, in case you didn't know, little fact, especially that this is something I like to think about often since I work in a uh, food service. Paper money is the filthiest thing Grody. in our like society. Paper money is so dirty. And anytime you touch cash, you should wash your hands after because you have to think about how many people touch that money. It just goes from hand to hand to hand to hand. Who's washing it? Think about it. Take like a bill you have. It, I bet it's creased randomly. There's tears in it. Someone's written on it. Who was that? How many people ago was that? You have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Like, be careful about washing your hands. But also, with, you know, moving away from paper currency, do you think we're going to see a rise in the utility of gold again? No. Why not? Like, I feel like it's gold... A, it's a rock. Yeah, but gold has been, you know, historically very valuable because it's shiny and ape-like shiny things. Yeah, but... No, I I think people are gonna gonna go back to using something similar to gold. I I'm gonna put it right now. JB thinks gold's making a return. Let's let's check out the gold prices over the last five years. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I five year gold price history in U.S. dollar per ounce. Gold has only been going up. Ah, interesting. Let's go. I mean, well, I don't know. Historically, like whenever things get unstable, people just buy gold. Exactly, but, because it's something that you know is going to last. Gold's not going. But anywhere. then it just crashes later. Like, yeah, but it just another bubble. Yeah, but it is the like, it's like, the fallback. I'm not gonna wipe my ass with gold. I can't eat gold. What? I can't grow plants with gold. If I've okay. got a bunch of gold buried in my backyard, mm-hmm. what have I done? You know, like. Okay. If you're counting on society to crumble, then you should probably invest in something other than gold. Yeah. And if you're counting on society not to crumble, Mm. then why are you buying gold? Buy Dogecoin or Bitcoin or Ethereum or Yen or anything else that you think is going to grow faster than the U.S. dollar. Cocoa. True. Buy as much cocoa as you can. I mean, cocoa was at one point one of the highest trading currencies out of South American cultures. Yeah, so um, that wraps up about everything I've got for today's episode. you have any, any, any more thoughts? Nope, that's about it for me. All right, well, I hope you learned at least one thing today, listeners. At least one. Again, this has been JBW and Anthony Miller, your two co-hosts for TMI, and we hope you catch us next week. Toodaloo. Peace.